Welcome to episode 43 of the FarmExec podcast. I'm Kristen Harm, associate editor of FarmExec magazine and your podcast host. FarmExec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. On this week's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with Sven Klingemann, who is the research director at the Reputation Institute. Sven talks about pharma's negative public perception and what the industry can do to improve it. Really quickly, I just wanted to remind you that we have this quick five-minute survey where we focus on you, our listeners, to glean a little bit of insight into maybe what platform you're using to listen to the show, how long you'd prefer episodes to be, what type of content you're interested in hearing about in the future. So if you have a minute, we'd love to hear from you. Um, And you can access the survey from the link in our bio, through our social media channels, and then on farmexec.com under our editorial podcasts. The deadline is November 8th, so if you could complete it by then, we would really appreciate it. So let's take a break to hear a quick word from our sponsor, Fingerpaint, and then we can uh, listen to Sven's interview. What's the color of commitment? What's the color of success or engagement? These aren't your everyday questions. But at Fingerpaint, we ask them because we've found that once you open your eyes to new approaches, new colors, you see a whole new world of possibilities. Fingerpaint, never paint by number. Hello, podcasters. Today, Elaine Quilici, our senior editor, and I will be interviewing Sven Klingemann, Research Director at Reputation Institute. Sven recently examined the pharma industry as part of Reputation Institute's 2019 U.S. Pharma Rep Talk study. The annual report identified that pharma's reputation continues to decline. So Sven is here today to talk about what that means and what pharma can do to turn things around. Thanks for joining us today, Sven. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So Sven, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself and the Reputation Institute? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm a research director here at the Reputation Institute. And what that uh, means is I'm kind of responsible for the uh, thought leadership and innovation around uh, the topic of reputation, which also includes uh, analyzing and generating insights uh, around industries such as uh, the pharma industry. And uh, just to give you a a quick uh, sense uh, uh, about uh, the Reputation Institute, fundamentally, we're uh, an insights advisory firm. And, you know, we we help companies worldwide kind of measure and benchmark their reputation. And when we talk about reputation, I guess I want to sort of be preemptive here. We're really talking about that emotional connection that people have with companies, organizations. It's kind of the I love you questions or how much do you love me? And we, we develop strategies on, on how to improve a company's reputation, also protect them against reputational risks to, uh, at the end of, of the day, kind of improve their business performance. And, um, you know, we're mostly, we're well known for our um, connection to Forbes, right? So Forbes, uh, partners with us to publish, uh, you know, rankings on the most reputable companies. So 
uh, you might have uh, seen us in that in that publication, among others. Excellent. Before we get into the details of the results, do you want to maybe give us a quick summary about the study and the trends that you've seen around reputation when it comes to pharma? Sure, I'd be, I'd be happy to. So, uh, you know, pharma is uh, one of the many industries that we uh, track from a reputation perspective every single year. And so this study uh, looked at the uh, most familiar and biggest uh, pharma companies in, in the U.S. And, you know, one thing that uh, I think was, was, uh, was really interesting was that, you know, the pharma industry sort of has continued to struggle from a reputation perspective uh, year over year. And, you know, one thing that we have seen across other industries uh, was sort of a reputational rebound from uh, last year to this year. And that really has not been the case for pharma. You know, they've seen sort of a slight continued decline in their, in their reputation. And I think, no, there, there are quite a few things that, that explain that. And the, the industry has been under a lot of pressure. And, you know, we can think about the, uh, the cost of pres prescription drugs. You know, we can think about uh, the highly publicized role of the opioid crisis, but also, uh, you know, things such as workplace uh, diversity that's really lacking in the industry or, you know, the China-U.S. trade tariffs that, that put, put the, the companies under pressure. So, you know, I think the industry as a whole um, has, been, has been struggling from, uh, from a reputational perspective. So that's, uh, you know, something that really stood out to us this year. So while the pharma industry as a whole continued to decline, Bayer, AG, and Roche were the only two pharma companies that were able to earn a strong reputation ranking. So can you see any reasons why they were successful and maybe what other pharma companies can learn from them? Sure. You know, I think Bayer is, is, is an interesting example. And, you know, the, the, the reason why they're at the top is that they have this long history with the American uh, consumer uh, so that what we would call that deep emotional uh, connection and you know one thing that Bayer has been extremely successful in doing is highlighting the benefits that their products have uh, for their customers and you know we're all thinking Bayer we're thinking aspirin right <laughs> we're thinking heart health and you know, Bayer has been very smart in highlighting the link between aspirin and heart health, right? So they're basically saying, my products really make a difference in, in my customers' lives. Uh, and uh, I think that has really helped them, you know, become the number one, uh, but also helps them through dif difficult times. And, you know, we're all aware of some of the uh, uh, the, the maybe negative headlines around Bayer uh, uh, this year, but they've really been able to weather the storm uh, due to that, you know, deep emotional connection that they have developed historically and the fact that they're really highlighting the benefits that their products have for, you know, uh, individuals' wealth, well-being and, and, and public health uh, as a whole. Um, and you know, this is what we see in, in our results. You know, they get really high marks uh, around uh, their citizenship performance, right, contribution to society, but also on, on other measures of uh, corporate responsibility, you know, ethical and fair, fair behavior, you know, positive workplace, 
And I think that's something that we have also seen for number two for uh, Roche. And, uh, you know, Roche has sort of stayed, um, it, it, we haven't seen a lot of negative press around Roche, and I think that certainly has helped them uh, relative to competition in terms of their ranking. But I think what Roche is also, you know, really well known for, uh, maybe a bit less in the U.S., but is their uh, sustainability efforts, right? They're very committed to uh, UN sustainability goals. And and it really shows, you know, they're the company that also gets the highest score on ethical behavior in our study. And I think all of these things combined, you know, contribute to them being number one. And, you know, I think since we're talking about what uh, helps companies' reputation, the pharma industry, you know, there's sort of three different uh, factors that really stand out. You know, you really have to have good products and services. Uh, you have to uh, show a commitment to governance, right? Sort of fairness and ethical behavior. And finally, you know, you have to showcase that you're making a difference uh, from a societal perspective, uh, you know, what you contribute to your community, how do you help the environment. So these three elements, uh, especially in the pharma industry, carry a really really high weight when it comes to uh, becoming or staying a, a, a reputable company. So, so what can uh, uh, other companies, you know, who might not be perceived as doing so well learn from our top two? And I think uh, the, the bottom line is uh, you have to outperform on, on corporate responsibility. And you now this is an area where the industry as a whole is, is, is really struggling. And so, you know, companies really need to uh, educate, you know, the general public and, you know, the stakeholders that are important to them that they are, you know, behaving in an ethical and, and transparent way and uh, also showcase the, the positive contributions that they're making to society. And I think that's really important for us to remember as, as we discuss this, you know, pharma companies, they're often sort of put in a, in, a, in a negative light, right? But, you know, I, I strongly believe that they're, they're also here to do good, right? And they have done a lot of that. So, but not a lot of people know about it. And I think a lot of the pharma companies really don't get enough credit about the difference, the positive difference that they're making. And we see that in our data is that, you know, from a familiarity perspective, right? And we ask people, well, how familiar are you with pharma companies? How much do you know about what they do and what they and for, you know, the pharma industry as a whole really uh, underperforms, quote unquote, versus other industries. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, educate people and, and to get your message out there. And I think that Bayer and Roche have done uh, a, a really good or above average job in, in, uh, in doing these things. In quantifying performance, do missteps have greater impact in pharma than they would in other industries, maybe because pharma's reputation is already so compromised? Um, you know, what, I, what, I, what, what we have found is that a good reputation really acts as a buffer in, in times of crisis, right? So, you know, companies with, uh, you know, no matter the industry you're in, right, companies with a, a good reputation are, are better able to weather a a storm, quote unquote, right? And why? Well, it's because people know you, people trust you. And if you take a misstep, you know, they're more likely to, to forgive you, right? They give you the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. Um, 
now companies that struggle from a, a reputational perspective, uh, you know, if something happens to them, you know, we see that the impact is actually uh, much, much more negative, right? And that, you know, is this case for the pharma industry, but also for other industries. So I, I think what's really important, obviously, is not only to uh, build, you know, your reputation, have a good reputation so that it acts kind of as an insurance when, when times are tougher. Um, but what we also see is that only lasts for, for, for uh, a certain amount of time, right? So if you keep uh, not living up to expectations, right, or not, uh, uh, not doing the right thing, you know, we also see that slowly that good reputation that you might have had uh, erodes over time. So I think you have a certain leeway, right? A certain amount of goodwill if you're a reputable company, but you know that that will only uh, only last so long. Okay, so the news often focuses on the negative aspects of pharma. We see reports on high drug prices and the opioid problem. How do you think that pharma can change its image in the media to overcome the perception that all it cares about is a bottom line? Yeah, you know, um, when it comes to, to social media, and, 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 and I think you're right, when we look at the media discussion, our data, uh, we see indeed, especially on, on social media, that the sentiment, right, is very negative around the pharma industry. So, you know, that's something that we, we do see here on our side as well. And I think another interesting fact related to that is uh, when we look at the importance of kind of financial performance, right, or profitability of, of pharma companies, you know, that's the area that is the least important in driving reputation, that industry. At the same time, it's an area where people say, you know, pharma companies are actually really doing well in that area, right? So there's a sort of disconnect. So that's, that's something that, that we also found in our, in our research. I think what I would say is that no, a lot of pharma companies really have a public relations crisis right now, and and uh, what they need is to really take control of that public narrative, right? That is is very negative, um, and you know I think the the public perception uh, around pharma is is pretty negative when it comes to ethics and pricing, how it deals with customers, what it contributes to to communities. And uh, our data really show that they're getting fairly low grades. So I think what, what they can do is really, uh, you know, link their products, right, what they're offering, which is important, but also their financial performance to, you know, their corporate responsibility contributions, right? So what difference are my products making, right? Dif what difference are my profits making uh, doing in, in, in making this world a better place, you know, simply said, uh, showcasing how profits get reinvested in, you know, obviously drug development, but also other in, initiatives that touch on, on corporate responsibility. You know, I think we, they also need to take the same approach when it comes to showcasing, you know, transparency, you know, how they do business, who they do uh, business with, but, at the end of the day, you know, until or unless they provide proof points, right, that they're really engaged and that they're sort of really genuine uh, about it, you know, they're not going to have a lot of credibility when it comes to communicating around these issues. So I think it all starts with 
you know, showcasing results, showcasing initiatives, educating and informing people around what they do. And I think then you can hopefully start seeing a shift in, in public perceptions and, uh, and attitude. So I think it's a big opportunity for the pharma industry, you know, to not only do the right thing, but make sure that people know more about it. As we move into an election year, how do you think political topics surrounding pharma, for example, the current focus on drug pricing and other hot policy issues, how do you think that will affect the public's perception of the industry? It's a really good question. I think that healthcare, I think broadly speaking, healthcare is really at, at the, is going to be at the center of this upcoming election. And, you know, I think no matter what your political affiliation is, right, whether you're Republican, independent or, or Democrat or, or uh, you know, identify with any other political sort of grouping or, or party, uh, you know, healthcare matters to, to everybody. And you see, We've talked about this, right? Uh, insurance uh, rates are going up, you know, the rising uh, cost of prescription drugs. Uh, people are really concerned about getting access to, to affordable health care. And I think that all of these different topics are really going to play a key role in, uh, you know, deciding who is, is getting elected. And th- I think there's a lot of public pressure, you know, that's mounting here uh, for political leaders to, to take a stand on these issues. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to follow through with it? And uh, I also think that every political party is really taking the issue of healthcare very seriously. Now, very different approaches in terms of how to solve this, but you know, I think that's something that we can definitely uh, uh, agree on. And you know, to get back to the pharma industry more more specifically, you know, given that most political leaders or parties are taking it seriously and are really focusing as an example on the affordability of prescription drugs, you know, that the pharma industry really needs to make a compelling case that they are indeed working for the public good and not just focusing on their, on their own bottom line. And I think if they're successful in making that case, right. And again, you know, they need to, to showcase that they're actually doing something, right? You need proof points. But I think not only gain the, the goodwill of the general public, but also that of regulators and, and legislators. And that's independent of the outcome of the election, right? So by, you know, doing the right thing, right, showing that it's not, it's about more than just their, their profits, you know, they can create hopefully that goodwill. And that could really make the difference between also... I think facing a stricter regulatory environment or or a more lenient one, and um, he, here again, it's 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 a big opportunity. You know, pharma companies are doing a lot of good, and I think uh, if your company is viewed in a positive or at least less negative way, you know, you can really take advantage of that. You know, draw contrast to your uh, competitors. You know, create a competitor adva- competitive advantage by kind of highlighting all the all the positive and good things that you're that you're doing. And it seems like a really good time for companies to reach beyond the standard DTC ads and engage the public through wellness campaigns and community events. Um, maybe could you give some concrete examples of how pharma can communicate that it's being ethical and transparent? So when we, we talk about ethics, you know, in, in the context of the pharma industry, I think it's really about doing the right thing. And, and I think that reaches into a very different uh, uh, business areas. And what pharma companies really need to do is redouble their efforts to kind of go above, above and beyond 
you know, simply promoting their products or, you know, contrasting the benefits of their products versus a competitive product, right? At the end of the day, that might not make such a, such a huge difference. So I think more specifically, what they should increasingly do or, or, or focus on is, uh, uh, you know, showcasing uh, what positive difference they're making to society at large and how they're acting in an ethical way. And, and to get back to the earlier point that I was trying to make, that reaches into a lot of different business domains. So, you know, they should showcase how their products are helping reach that goal of doing the right thing. You know, uh, have they helped the communities that they operate in? Do they, you know, partner uh, with or source from ethical and and uh, reputable suppliers, as an example, do they have a workplace that promotes the well-being of their employees? Do they have reputable and ethical leadership? So you you, you get where I'm going, right? That um, it's it's uh, it's it's a broader approach, right? That they need to be able to go above and beyond just showcasing their products, right? But saying, okay, I'm acting in a a positive and ethical way in all of these different domains and really get that that message out and and I think that will will be the most effective way to to go about it well great thanks so much for being with us today Sven oh thanks so much for having me it was a pleasure thank you finger paint never paint by number Find us online at fingerpaint.com. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, my name is Sven Klingemann. I'm research director at the Reputation Institute. And my leadership tip is you can't manage what you don't measure. And that definitely also applies to your reputation. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's PharmaSec podcast sponsored by FingerPaint. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the PharmaSec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at PharmaSec.com, on Twitter at PharmaSec, on Instagram at PharmaExecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of PharmaSec its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Lisa Henderson at lhenderson at mmhgroup.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at tbaker at mmhgroup.com.